There's a saying, a rising tide floats all boats. And when the economy is doing well and money is available, companies tend to focus on growth and not so much on efficiency. But when that tide goes down, it can also sink those same boats. This is when efficiency becomes the focus. And when efficiency is the focus, that usually means optimizing your ad spend. On today's episode of Demand Gen U, Silvio and I are gonna talk about strategies you can use to maximize your ad budget. Demand Gen U is officially in session. Let's do it. Silvio, we're back together again today for another episode. Um, and today we're going to talk all about maximizing your ad budget. I love this topic because um, I'm all about efficiencies, you know? So like even in my, <laughs> even in my personal life, and I didn't even put this on the outline, I just remember this. I remember I wrote a blog when I was working at this agency like over 10, about 10, over 10 years ago. And the blog was about how I'm actually efficient in my normal like data too. And so like I talked about how uh, I was, I'd figured out the most efficient way to brush my teeth. And like, <laughs> but like you every buy time, one of those like autumn, like uh, those battery powered toothbrushes yeah. or something like that. that. <laughs> it's like the, you know what I mean? I was, every time I would brush my teeth, I'd be thinking about like, what's the most efficient way to go to, you know, to like cover the whole, to all cover all the teeth, the right angles, you know, I'm gonna get the back of this. And like every time I would brush my teeth, this is so bad. Every time I brush my teeth, I'd be thinking about like, am I covering these teeth the most often? Oh my. And so like, I knew early on, I knew from early on, like, it's not just, it's like a lifestyle, I think for me too. And so my wife probably does. <laughs> my wife probably I hear you. appreciate it. But yeah, I think it's like a lifestyle thing. I think I just kind of- I bet your dentist appreciates it very much. <laughs> nice one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a topic I think- uh, just kind of comes innately to me, you know, just in the personal life. And I know you've lived it for a long time too. Um, just, you know, in your experience with ads and, you know, um, and just work. And so, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, should we just jump right in? Let's do it. Nice. Cool. All right. So let's start with like a little context. Um, so obviously we're kind of talking about maximizing ad budget now because a lot of companies are pulling back spend and, but, you know, usually what happens is when companies reduce spend in these times, they often start with sales and marketing. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about like why that is, you know, so why is it that sales and marketing usually is kind of the first place where cuts are, you know, cuts happen. Um, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about why that makes sense, but also why that doesn't make sense. And so, you know, my thought on this one, I mean, I think it's pretty clear. So usually like if you have to cut budget, it means you're not meeting your goals, right? And if you're not meeting your goals, usually those goals are revenue goals. And so yeah. you're basically kind of saying to yourself, okay, we either didn't meet our retention goals or we didn't meet our net new you know, revenue goals or some combination of both. And when you think about that, like the closest to those things are sales and marketing, you know? And so like, if these things aren't working, then let's cut things in this area, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that I think the idea is to make them more, make the spend more relevant to like what we're actually getting right now in a recession or in, in a downturn. So I don't know. What do you think? I think two things come to mind to add on to that is one, it could just be from a leadership perspective, they view sales and marketing as an expense and not a revenue driver. More so probably would say marketing than sales. So it could just be something philosophically within the company, you know, makes no logical sense, but it just kind of is what it is. 
The other one I would say is usually in downturns, uh, as a business, you're going to be focusing more on retaining customers versus acquiring new ones as it's like infinitely more cost effective. You're going to, you know, renew them, upsell them, et cetera. So that's where I could also see folks cutting back on paid budget and then shifting those dollars to customer enablement, you know, product adoption, product resources, engineering, et cetera, uh, to help make their product a lot stickier. Yeah, absolutely. So there's reasons why it makes sense and reasons why it doesn't make sense. You know, so like, I think some of them around the why it makes sense is, you know, if you're not hitting these numbers, maybe you're, you might feel over-resourced in those areas, right? To, yeah. In comparison to what they're driving. Now, that makes sense, but then also it doesn't make sense because then at the same time, you're also thinking like, okay, but if I'm not meeting my numbers over here, don't I need these people, you know, to like do that, yeah. you know? And so there's a little bit of makes sense, but doesn't make sense in the same sentence, you know? Uh, and so that's what I try and reconcile too. But so that's really, that's the yeah. whole difference, it, I think, of like getting tighter, right? And getting more efficient. For sure. Like, yeah. And if you're, if you're like, even down economy aside, if you're spending that much money in your budget and you're not meeting your goals and there's just like a lot of inefficiency, you should always have an optimizer mentality yeah. in, in good times and bad, right? And really trying to make yourself as efficient and lean as possible. Yep. Yep. Um, cool. So let's talk a little bit about what, what are, are there some things you can do to prevent your budget from being cut? Uh, so why don't you take that one? From being cut. Yeah. How do you present, how do you prevent it from being cut? <laughs> oh man, I, I wish I had the answer. <laughs> I, I've, my budget has been cut so many times, uh, over so many different accounts. I couldn't even tell you. I, I would say in terms of what you can do to set yourself up in the best position possible to not be cut is number one, hit your goals. I mean, if, if you do anything do that, hit your goals. And also I would say getting more practical, if you can report on pipe to spend, that's really helpful because if you can show, Hey, we have a really strong pipe to spend, you know, let's just say five X on these different channels. Well, then it's not what I think it's what the data shows, right? For every dollar we're putting in, we're getting $5 back in pipeline. Like that's that's phenomenal. So let's, let's continue to invest here. And if you can report on that as a metric, that's really valuable to, you know, to leadership and also ultimately to the board, because they, they can see that you're really efficient here. And it's also a great metric to monitor as well in terms of efficiency, because as you start to scale more on paid channels, there is a point of diminishing returns where let's say you're spending 40 K a month on Google search as an example, and then you ramp it up to 60 the additional gain that you got from that 20K is so low that your pipe to spend like dramatically goes down and your cost per opportunity goes up. And it just doesn't make logical sense where you're better off, hey, that additional 20K, let me take that and put it on additional like new channels to test or to experiment with. Or uh, potentially if you're like, from a strategic perspective, just doing demand capture, hey, well, now we just freed up 20K. Maybe we can start to build a moat and focus on demand creation. Yeah, that's a good point. And like, you know, there, it was, it was a trick. It was a little bit of a trick question, right? It's like, how can you, how can you prevent your budget from being cut? There's really not much you can do, you know, cause oftentimes that is a, that's a leadership decision, you know? And then if you're a marketing leader, oftentimes you're just given like a percent, you know, like, so, Hey, we just need you to cut 10% or 15% or whatever it is. But yeah. Like you were saying, like kind of where you got to, there are things you can do when times are good or just in general to 
make the cut as least as possible, right? And so, and it's all about proving the value of marketing. And so you were talking about, you know, ensuring you understand what is actually leading to revenue, you know, and those kinds of things. Um, I think it's important to always have like a data, first a data focused approach, you know, where you're always, mm -hmm. you know, when you're thinking, hey, when I'm gonna launch this new campaign at the same sentence, in the same breath, you're like, and how do I measure this properly? You know? Yes. And so absolutely. like making sure you've got a really good foundation and being able to say what's working, what's not as fast as possible. So you can make those cuts on the things that aren't working. So I think just having mm -hmm. a strong foundation and data and like, I just, what that bottom line yeah. is will help. A million percent. I, when you're, when you're talking, I just had an idea of how you could potentially uh, prevent your budget getting cut is send like handwritten notes at least once a month to your CFO and like steak dinners and lobsters <laughs> and just like pamper them as much as possible. Nurture them, nurture your own CFO. Yeah. We're doing yeah, a gotta, program. No, no, no. It's yeah, not externally. Gotta, no, it's, it's internally. Yeah. So I like, that's right. <laughs> that's, you got to nurture that contact. Hey, from Doso and Postal, there's a new idea for you. It's like, yeah, internal yeah. gifting. A hundred percent. Our, uh, our wonderful Alex Verdon would love that for, for fruit baskets. She needs to be able to send <laughs> fruit baskets internally. Um, cool. So, uh, so, all right. So let's, let's, all right. So kind of give the context now. So let's get into the meat of this thing and let's talk about some things you can do to maximize your ad spend. Because realistically, when, when marketing budgets in general are getting cut, I mean, oftentimes programs are one of your biggest spend items, right? So like laser focus is going to go to programs and usually like people, people programs. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and an ad spend is like the easiest one to come after, right? Because over time and like when I was talking about in the opener, like the rising tide floats all boats. When we all have money, we're all spending and we're kind of like not paying too much attention to the efficiency stuff. We're just like, hey, we're in hyper growth mode. We have these hyper growth goals to hit. And so like, if I have the cash, I'm going to spend that cash and I'm going to just try and get to that number. And I'm not really going to be looking at what's not working because I'm focused so much on new stuff and, and the hyper growth part. I don't have the right resources yeah. to like focus on, all right, let's get really detailed and find out what's not working and cut that stuff out because I have all the money, right? And so it's like, mm -hmm. when you have the money there available, human nature is just going to put your time on the things, you know what I mean? That you think are going to have the biggest impact on that hyper growth. And usually in those times, it's not, all right, let me see these minute things I can find and cut out, you know? And so I think that's also what, it's not like we were all wrong, you know what I mean? That we kind of got into this place, but we were just, everyone was doing it, you know? So like we were all, spending, yeah. we were all focused on hyper growth at all, at all costs sometimes. All these yeah. valuations, all this money people got. Um, and now it's just a different scenario. And the rug is getting pulled from under, right? Because you can operate like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sustainably, yeah. you know, it's, it's not, I would say absolutely, you know, it's very easy to get, caught into that trap, hyper growth. I have money to spend, you know, spend now, think later kind of thing. And I don't necessarily agree with it per se. I mean, I think you should absolutely be trying to, I don't think being mindful and being a good steward of your campaigns and, you know, monitoring the ship, so to speak, comes at the expense of speed and execution. One of the most practical things that you can do, I, I always say like, sometimes you have to slow down to speed up, you know, and taking a couple steps back will allow you to take a lot of steps forward. And one of the most practical things you can do is just figure out your break-even cost per lead. And if you know your break-even cost per lead off the offset, so for example, you take your average deal size and you multiply that your lead to close one rate, and you know your break-even cost per lead is, let's say, $3,000, then 
then when you go and launch that Google search campaign in 30 minutes, because you're on the deadline or whatever the case might be, you know, hey, I cannot afford a cost per conversion greater than 3000. So if you want to operate profitably, stay underneath that. If you want to operate at a loss because it's hyper growth and you're willing to invest more, then you can go over that. But you have that going into it and it sets that context. So from there, you can execute quickly, but still be within reasonable means, right? And you're not just flying blind and, yeah. you know, just throwing uh, money at the wall. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think you're talking about looking at it all the way to revenue, right? So not just even pipeline, or if you're really good at pipeline coverage, then you know, then you know what coverage you need to get to, to be prop, you know, for that spend to be profitable. And so, um, yep. yeah, just making, and so to be able to do that again, you've got to tie that, you've got to tie your data all the way from the ad channels to your website, all the way into the CRM, you know, and down through the sales process. Uh, so again, another advocate, you know, advocating for get your stuff set up, you know, well ahead of time. Um, so that, yeah, that, is, that is step one. So step one, if. If you, you know, let's say somebody came to you tomorrow and was like, hey, I'm going to have to cut your 50% 50, 50 of your budget because, and I expect you to drive the same pipeline. Step one is to audit your existing campaigns, tech and headcount. You, yeah. like, you have to find areas where you, maybe you got a little bit bloated, you know, and, yeah. and you need to start cutting back and tough decisions will have to be made across the board, but you have to free up some spend there and get that pipe to spend to that optimal amount. So maybe practically for you, you're investing in Captera and at 40K a month, you had a really solid return, but you ramped that thing up to 100K a month and you know that additional 60 is really just not worth it. You're gonna have to cut back there and free up that budget. That's one example with ad channels. Another one could be tech. Maybe you invested in a bunch of different tools, don't really use it. Maybe you're only using them for like one little feature. It's not really worth it. Probably gonna have to make a decision there. And then also headcount as well. Do you have a lot of contractors that are supporting a purpose, maybe even internal team members, which is obviously a lot harder. And really, and, and this is where like, if you're good in, you know, this is a great quote, it's like, if you stay ready, you don't gotta get ready. So like in times of good, <laughs> nice. if you yeah. are being a good steward, right? And like monitoring your your ship, if you will. And you know, yes, you're trying to grow and scale, but you're taking the the necessary visibility and precautions in bad times, it, the impact won't be as dramatic, right? Because you've had visibility on your pipe to spend month over month because you've been tracking it, right? So yeah. it's like, there's no surprise. Yeah. So it, it doesn't have to come to this extreme point for you to then make a, a decision and a course correct. Yeah, exactly. And you have that stuff in order and it allows you to get down more detailed too. So you can like, you know, you're doing surgery on what you're cutting. You're not like taking an ax, you know, and like, you know, yeah. having bigger things where, you know, there's some stuff in there that's working, but I can't see the whole, I can't see down deep enough into that. So I have to cut the whole thing, you know? And so, so yeah. Um, all right, cool. All right. We're going to talk about some strategies now, um, to maximize. So the first thing is really around your audiences, you know what I mean? So like, we always talk about this, but the importance of getting really laser focused on your ICP and making sure that ICP definition is not just, you know, industry and job title, you know? And so, uh, we talk about this all the time and this is something our platform is really good at, which I love because, um, I don't know, is the best way to, I mean, is this the biggest place where you can really optimize ad spend is really with the, with the audience? I mean, is that the biggest place? It's, it's definitely, it's tough to say. I, I would say it's probably just from what I see, 
more so than the audience on the ad spend side, I would say more from like, like more strategically. So for example, if your budget got cut, that means you have to narrow your focus usually. So uh, that means, you know, you can't cover six industries, 1500 accounts, uh, et cetera. You know, all of the world, <laughs> maybe you, now you can only target North America, 50 accounts, right? So that's kind of where the audience piece comes in. So really thinking big fish, small pond, and then adjusting those audiences. So that way now it requires less budget to coverage that audience size because it's smaller, but the return is far greater because you're getting in front of like the absolute most ideal, you know, potential customer, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And like. A recession is probably not the best time to try a pivot to enterprise. You know what I mean? So like, you don't want to, you probably, I don't know. I mean, it all depends, of course. But, you know, if one of the strategies you're thinking of is, hey, let's just go and get larger accounts. Well, you know, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be like relevance, you know, associated with that in some way. Like, oh, we actually can service enterprise accounts or we have differentiation yep. in here. Um, yeah. And so like, so I think. In addition to understanding your ICP, it's also about prioritizing that list. You know what I mean? So you can have this like general list of companies that might be a good fit, but then figuring out how to best prioritize those and, you know, focusing efforts on different tiers of those. So you might have this whole A bucket, for example, like tier A, um, but within tier A, there's probably even more prioritization that you can do and even order them by some score or, you know, um, and using intent data, right? So like leveraging yep. intent data, third and first party intent data, like we talk about a lot as well, um, to, to really get close. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And buttoning up your exclusion audiences, you know, making sure employees aren't seeing your ads, competitors, making sure you're, ex you know, excluding existing customers, really making sure that you're getting your message in front of the right person, because it's even more critical, right? When you have less budget and you really need to make sure that those ad dollars get in front of the right person. The other yeah. thing I would add too, in addition to the audiences, Jason, and this is where it's like, I always hate to say like, it depends, but like by and large, for sure, most people, you're going to have to start with the audience and you're going to have to refine that and get more narrow because you just can't afford to cover all that you did before. But in terms of like giving people context on what might be the situation for you is if right now the quality in terms of the opportunities you're driving, they're not closing into revenue, maybe they're, they're not, they're, you're not ready for that type of opportunity. Going back to the enterprise example you mentioned, yes, you're probably gonna have to focus on the audience or maybe even simpler than that, the titles coming through are garbage, right? Like you're trying to get in front of CMOs and uh, it's like student of marketing, you know, it's just, <laughs> you should start there. Yeah. But on the other, the flip side is you're getting in front of the right people because you, you see the leads coming through, they're perfect. The opportunities created are amazing, but you're just not happy with the cost per opportunity, the cost per, uh, lead or your, you know, et cetera, then you should really be focusing on your ads. Because oftentimes when I see that happen with metadata customers is they have the same variation of creative. It all looks the same. There's no really thought process there. And that's where really leaning into your ad testing will give you a greater lift to reduce your, your inefficient spend and increase your overall performance. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you mentioned something about exclusion list too. There's something simple you can do, you know, even something as simple as just making sure you've got that feedback loop where as soon as somebody, like, let's say you have a direct response thing, you're trying to sign people up for an event or something. Um, and it's a big event, make sure you have that, you know, as soon as somebody registers, they're immediately out of the audiences, you know what I mean? And then also if you're kind of running a play where you're trying to just get certain number of people from an account to an event, great. Once 
three people from an account register. Now let's take the whole account off the list. You know what I mean? And so you can also do some just interesting exclusions like that to, you know, to make sure you got good breadth and you're not just like going deep in one area. Um, yeah. That, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of folks don't do that <laughs> in terms of the accounts that I look at. They forget to exclude if they're using Legion forms, you can build an audience of Legion form completions yep. and just exclude that. And those folks are no longer eligible to see your ad. Yep. And it, it makes a huge difference. And it's better user experience too, right? Think about yourself. Like you just signed up for an event and now you still see the ads for the event, even right. though you're already registered, it's not yeah. relevant anymore. Yeah. You're like, you're taking up space for another relevant ad could be in front yeah. of me. <laughs> Come on, I want more ad. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Um, and Said I think no one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think to round this one out, you know, so when you get good at targeting, then it means you should also be able to personalize the messaging to different audiences, you know, and so you don't want to overkill on this, you know, as a small startup, you can really go too far on this one. And like, we have eight personas, you know, and we're going to like change our messaging yeah. for each one, maybe two at the most three, you know what I mean? Personas that you're speaking to, um, in ads. And you're just basically making the ad even that much more relevant, um, to that person. Cause now you're not just talking about your platform, but your platform, how you guys support you specifically, and then how this platform supports you over there specifically. Um, and so again, you can increase conversion and do more with, you know, with your ad dollars, um, with. Yeah. Personalization is huge. Too. You know, uh, taking that a step further, if you can also really focus in on optimizing your landing pages, you know, making that as personalized as possible, because the traffic is one part of the equation. The conversion is the other piece, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you can get more of that traffic to convert that you're already paying for, or in this case, if you can, if you can drive less traffic, but you can get the conversion to be at a much greater percentage. Well, then you're going to, you might end up on top. And that's usually for most B2B SaaS companies, a huge area of opportunity, because when it comes to like on-page personalization or optimization, running tests, it doesn't happen. And it's, it's very simple to get started with. You can use like a free tool like Google Optimize and you can run landing page experiments. It could literally be as simple as, and I actually did this with one of my previous companies that I was consulting with. We tested as a CTA button, request a demo versus request a product tour. And the verbiage of product tour converted like 30% better. If you're listening yeah. and you wanna try that and it works for you, uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like just something as simple as that can like dramatically improve your conversion rate. So that's also a huge piece in terms of where you can maximize your ad budget. Yeah, and I've got a, you know, even actually it was today, I've got an experience of how this can work against you um, when you don't personalize or when you just, you know, when you're not, when you're not optimizing the landing experience is that this, this company got an ad in front of me. It got my attention. I was like, oh, and it was an event. I was like, oh, it sounds like something I might be interested in. I clicked over and I swear the page was full of stuff. Uh, they're just trying to get me to register for an event. I swear it was like, there was at least 10 bullets of like what I was going to walk away with. I, there might actually been more, 12 to 13 maybe. And I literally didn't register because I was like, they've lost me in this, you know? Mm -hmm. so, so there's, you know, and that's one thing we've always talked about in metadata. It's like, we see the ads and we see the form fill, <laughs> you know what I mean? But we miss like, what is the, what is our client doing in the middle area there to actually get the ad to convert to that form? Um, yeah. And so like personalizing and just optimizing your website content or that landing experience. Yeah. Um, you just get more with what you're already doing. You know, you're already getting these leads from these, or you're getting people to engage with the ads, you know? So yeah. now you're getting, whatever denominator you have, they're getting more of them up to the top. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, and the, 
chatbot example, just changing the conversation flow of your chatbot can have massive impacts on your conversion rates. Oh, big in, time. Yep. In CRO, like conversion rate optimization in that world, there's this concept called the five second test that you run in your landing pages, which is basically as soon as you land on that landing page without scrolling down just from the hero section, do you understand who you are, what you do, why I should care, and like, how do I take the next step? Mm. And it's actually an actual test that they run to understand how do you satisfy that? Because really you have probably less than five seconds now to really satisfy that need or you're going to lose them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Nice. All right. Uh, let's take another one. Um, oh yeah. Let's talk about optimizing campaigns. We, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but you know, you really want to take a look at the impact your campaigns are, your campaigns are having on the bottom line. And so we talk about, you know, understanding things like CPM, click-through rate, cost per click, cost per lead, but all those metrics can look good. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, where's my pipeline? You know, and actually a lot of our customers, this happens to like a lot of our customers, yeah. usually the ones that don't have good sales and marketing relationship, they like, hey, and we're like, and we're in there and we have goals set up. We're like, hey, look, we're meeting our goals for our customer, yeah. you know, like, and then all of a sudden, you know, a couple of months in, they come back and they're like, hey, we know we're meeting all of our goals, but, you know, sales isn't able to turn it into pipeline. And yes. we're like, all right, what's wrong with your sales team? But, you know, I think oftentimes customers or not even just customers, anybody, marketers will just go optimize to the easy things, first of all, because like you see these metrics in the ad platforms, they give them to you. Um, even cost per lead, you can kind of get to that fairly, you know, with one more step, you know, of complication. But after that, it's more hard more hard, harder, whatever, more harder. <laughs> After that's yep. more difficult and, um, but way more valuable, right? So like yeah. you get yourself out of, again, you, you, you give yourself another stuff to cut out. That's not really actually impacting revenue. They're like showing interest, but they're actually not turning into it. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's on the sales and marketing front. I mean, alignment, right? It agreed upon definitions of what each stage means. So that way, if you do, you know, if they do accept that opportunity, then it really is, you know, something on the sales side, but also, you know, thinking in terms of alignment, like, hey, maybe I can run deal acceleration campaigns for you to help speed this up. What objections are you receiving? Maybe I can run that as like in-feed ads, like talking to those objections, you know, to like to do what I can as like a, a team player. But yeah, absolutely. You have to look at, I think the, like the, if you take anything from this episode, you need to understand your impact to revenue and pipeline. Yeah. If you're doing demand capture, it's a lot easier because you're getting direct attribution for the most part. Even if you're doing demand creation, you still need to measure and understand your impact to the bottom line. You won't get that direct attribution, but you can still measure impact in terms of blended cost. So what is my blended cost per opportunity, my blended pipe to spend? Uh, so in terms of like total sourced ops created inbound divided by cost invested, right? In terms of spend of ad dollars. Yeah. And you can, you can measure against it. Like you can't fly blind. I think that's the biggest thing that folks need to really understand. And if in the case, let's say you're an early stage startup, you don't have revenue, then focus on the next best thing, pipeline, creating pipeline. You don't have pipeline, demo requests, you know, control yeah. what you can cope with what you can't. And you got to concentrate on what counts. It's one of my favorite quotes by Epictetus is like a stoic philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. Yep. And that makes sense. And you know. What I'm, what we're doing now is, so here's some, here's what I see happen sometimes too, is people's budget changes, right? So, oh, I have lower budget, but my, my goal is still almost the same or just a little bit less. And they're tracking their pacing 
in this new world of a lower budget and a higher, you know, and a basically a somewhat higher goal or at least the same goal. And of course, they're not pacing right. You know, they're just like, shit, the pacing, the pacing. Well, what I like to do is then also look at now you start to compare measures of efficiency, too. So you want to see like, OK, maybe I'm not meeting, maybe I'm not staying on pace 100 percent this month, but am I doing better than the last month or quarter? You know what I mean? In mm. efficiency metrics. And so because that can be a leading indicator, too, to like, am I actually going to do more with less like I'm trying to do? And so some of the things that we're starting to look at um, is things like just like the cost per lead. You know, like, are we reducing our cost per lead first? Then are we reducing our cost per opportunity? Um, because that gives you a better apples to apples when your budgets have changed. But, you know, the ratio between your budget and your goal is more is worse now, you know. Um, so yeah. that's just something I, Brittany and I were recently talking about is like, hey, it's hard for us to look at this yellow and red. You know what I mean? Because like after these changes, yeah. you know, we're doing a lot of stuff to fix, you know, to like pull out the stuff that isn't working, you know, and put more money into the stuff that is. So yep. like, let's stop looking at the red on like just where we're at pacing. Let's look at, are we actually getting better than we were last month or last quarter? Because that's really the, the leading indicator to like, okay, yeah. are we actually going to be able to hit that? So I think, so no, that's, yeah, nice takeaway. Not that's a great point. Like not just looking at the volume, the net volume gains, but the conversion percentage by stage to really mon like yeah. measure that efficiency, right? So you might have 50K less budget, but your conversion by stage is the same or greater. So yep. you're actually more efficient than you were yep. before. Yeah, that's yep. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And we focus on those, those, those stage conversion rates because we, we, we laser focus on those so that we know within a couple of days, like, oh, is our meeting to op rate going down? Is our, you know, demo request to meeting book rate going down? Because each one of those things, even a couple percentage points, especially later in the funnel, can really mess it up. You know what I mean? Um, and so like we track that daily. You know, we're looking at that, those metrics daily. It might be a little overkill, but I like to know as soon as I can know, you know, if things are turning po positively or negatively, really. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's awesome. Um, that's a good takeaway for everyone for sure. I would add um, one other thing on the campaign optimization front outside of just knowing your numbers, like more practically for the folks that are managing campaigns is I call them the hidden, like look for the hidden gems. So the hidden gems are like different components within the campaign. So mm. for example, if you're doing something like Google search ads, uh, the hidden gem could be Monday through Friday converts 100x more. And on the weekends, you're just blowing money. So let's only yeah. show our ads Monday through Friday. It could also be, you know, phrase match match type converts and at a much better cost efficiency than broad match or exact match. Um, so look for those hidden gems on LinkedIn ads. It could be, you know, it, it, image ads work so much better than carousel or vice versa. Yep. Or um, also look for just who, like which segments are converting and then can you get more granular? And I have made this mistake, so I will caveat anything in excess is bad. So like there's a balance between getting too refined and optimized where like you've just killed all of your scale and, you know, just enough. So just calling that out because I've made that mistake a lot. <laughs> well, there's, there's, I think what you're saying is there's still some gut involved in this, right? So it's like you, a machine still can't run an entire marketing program. <laughs> so there's, you know what I mean? Like, because if everything, if every decision was really like fully database, you know what I mean? Then, um, We'd be off, like you said, you know, cause like, and we just had, we just did this, uh, we did a webinar for the community about attribution, you know, and it's like the, the place where people fall off of attribution is if they trust it too much. You know what I mean? It's like, mm. 
if they just basically take whatever the attribution platform or system says and do that, you know, you, you actually do worse because the attribution platform is missing some of the biggest, you know, areas where people get influenced, you know, like word of mouth, social proof, those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting thing. So that actually speaking of social proof and organic and stuff like that. So let's talk about, you know, I like to talk about like, don't be afraid to cut programs that don't have an immediate impact, but at the same time, you, you don't want to focus everything on just the short term, right? Cause then at some point you're going to be like, oh shoot, you're six months in like, oh good, we did pretty good. And then all of a sudden all this, you know, you were doing, you were like building groundswell and building demand and those were turning into like capture and now you didn't do that for a while. And now you don't have that, you know, complimentary demand that you want to bring in. And so, you know, you don't, you definitely want to focus on programs in the short term that are driving more immediate results. Because usually like these recessions, they really don't last more than at the most like 18 months. So like, Mm. but don't shortchange the thought leadership, the top of funnel content, but maybe find other ways of delivering them that aren't paid ads, you know? And so it's like, and this is where us building an audience like we did over the last year and a half or so really starts to pay dividends because we're like, cool, cut some spend on ads. Guess what? We got 15,000 people that actually listen to what we say, consume our emails, you know, follow us on social. We can use these channels to really drive and distribute that content now. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so don't be afraid. And then, you know, pull out the free channels, pull out the email, pull out your organic. I mean, organic LinkedIn using a LinkedIn automation tool. Like, I just can't say enough about it. You know, yes, it's limited. The volume is limited, but it's also still a very, really great channel to engage with people. For sure. Yeah. You got to satisfy today, but you got to keep building for tomorrow. It's like an old saying, the worst time to market is when you have to, <laughs> so the sooner you can get out ahead of it, right. And, and build that moat, right. Creating that brand so that you aren't as reliant on paid ads and you have a ton of direct traffic. You have a ton of branded traffic and Hey, guess what? If really it got that bad that all your paid ads budget got cut, but you built this amazing brand and you have so much organic traffic you can retarget those visitors all day and it's a fraction of the cost and you can retarget them across channels. So you're just extending yeah. your reach, which is fantastic. And it's, it's super cost effective. One yeah. thing that did pop in my mind on what folks can do in terms of maximizing their budget is a lot of B2B marketers are really bad at building on their, like stacking their success. They're, they do a lot of experimentation and testing, especially when you're in that hyper growth mode, you're just launching things, new programs, et cetera that you don't take the time to just kind of take a step back and reflect on like, what is working mm-hmm. and can we lean into this? So for example, if there's two kinds of scaling, there's horizontal scaling and there's vertical scaling. So if horizontal scaling is scaling through campaign objectives, ad types, uh, offers to the same audience, and then vertical scaling is scaling across different types of audiences, So for example, if you know you have your audience dialed in and you've kind of tapped out on conversation ads and that's worked well for you, well, hey, can we take that same audience, but now we can hit them up with a carousel ad in feed or even more practically, if you notice conversation ads or the gift card worked well for you, like for us, can we lean into that and can we scale incentivize offers through in feed content and stack on our success and continue to build on that? Versus starting from scratch, no learnings, no historical performance. And of course, it's going to be the most expensive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like it. Uh, I think we've got time for maybe one other area. Um, let's talk about adjusting your strategy. So like sometimes, 
so if you have a, you know, if you have a cut between five and let's say maybe 20 to 25%, you can usually, I, I mean, this is kind of a general statement, but you can kind of work yourself through that kind of a cut potentially without completely changing your strategy. And what I mean by that is like, you know, if your strategy right now is very focused on paid ads, well, with a 20, 25% cut to your budget, yeah, that can still be your focused strategy, but you'll have to make some cuts here and there versus if you're like 50 to 70% cut, which some people have to do, then that really begets like, all right, we actually have to come up with a whole new strategy. So I wanted mm -hmm. to touch a little bit on that is like, you know, what are some other strategies people could take if they're like, okay, I actually do have to change my strategy. And when I'm talking strategy, I'm talking like your approach to marketing almost, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest one for, for folks listening is demand creation. You know, I think that's kind of like a recurring theme, but, and this is kind of too where, and I'm just thinking of a client in my head right now that I was talking to that's going through this right now, where basically they're, they're switching from hyper growth mode to profitability. And the goal of the company right now is to break even. And from a paid perspective, they're going to be tapped out really fast in terms of like that, that optimal spend. Yep. So for them, they're going to be going from like 180K a month down to like 40. So their budget got just beyond, you know, crushed. Yep. So, so not that 70% cut pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so with that, in that case, the, the demand gen marketer communicated with the CEO, like, Hey, if th this is the expectation, we want to be profitable, break even. Don't expect insane volume from paid, right? Okay. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not going to happen. So that expectation was set up up front. So if we, that additional budget now is going to be used outside of paid or like whether, whether it's like, uh, in their case, I think they're focusing on community and, and like demand creation and things like that. But it's, you have to make sure you're fighting a winnable fight is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Because yeah. if you kind of go into it with the wrong expectations and you're just setting yourself up for failure, you know? Yeah. Nice. Nice. That makes so much sense. Cool. All right. Well, um, another episode of Demand Gen U in the books. Thanks again, Silvio. Hopefully everybody listening, you got some ideas of places to look at, you know, if you're needing to be more efficient. Um, we're doing a lot of content now on just like how to be more efficient. So come check out our website. Um, as always, if you haven't yet, please like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Really appreciate Comment, it. share. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yes, however that works. Um, but yeah, thanks again, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Demand Gen U. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to get future episodes. You can also submit a specific topic you want us to talk about by DMing us on LinkedIn. If you like the show or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep improving and get the word out to other marketers just like you. This podcast is brought to you by Metadata, the first demand generation platform that launches paid campaigns that self-optimize to revenue. If you're looking for a tool that makes it easier for you to build audiences, launch paid campaigns, and experiment at scale, you'll love Metadata. B2B marketers at Zoom, Okta, and ThoughtSpot use Metadata to automate the time-consuming parts of running paid campaigns so they can focus on the things that matter.